2: Hi, guys. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com with Cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com with Cheese. Also, a huge special thanks to our patrons at Patreon. Patreon is basically where you can donate money to us and we can get a, recoup a little bit of the cost that it is to put on this pa- our podcast it's not required but you get a few extra extra gifts for it and pretty soon there's going to be posted a cat's commentary that's only available to our patrons we are recording that on may 10th so a little after that you will see it up there so get on to the patreon now so you can give us money and you can get that commentary our our current patrons are john donna stephanie l and terry needleman they give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on around here at Musicals of Cheese. Also, Andrew, do you want to tell them about our affiliate link?
1: Absolutely. So we have this new thing. It's called an Amazon affiliate link. It's in the description of every episode. If you're going to buy anything on Amazon, uh, just click our link. Use it. We get a little cut. Uh doesn't, doesn't cost you anything. You're just going to buy the same stuff you're going to buy anyways.
2: Yes. All right, guys. Let's get on to the real show and stop shilling at you. <music> Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater more. How are you today, Andrew? I'm doing fabulous.
1: Uh, how are you doing?
2: You know what, Andrew? Has your... Has your life just been going by in chronological order recently? I find
1: that right now I'm incredibly happy, but I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Jess, are you trying to tell me that you're miserable right now? But maybe by the end of this show,
2: (laughs) you're going to be happier. It's just everything is going by backwards. Like, yesterday was May 1st, and now today it's April 30th. Like, what? Where am I heading in this backwards train? Are you and I in
1: the middle right now? If there was someone like listening to our podcast, like that would be incredibly confusing, I bet.
2: <laughs> in case you hadn't noticed by our very, very subtle summation of this, this week we are talking about Jason Robert Brown's The Last Five Years.
0: Jamie is over and Jamie is gone. Jamie's decided it's time to move on. Jamie has new dreams he's building
2: The Last Five Years is a musical written by Jason Robert Brown. It premiered at Chicago's Northlight Theater in 2001 and was then produced off-Broadway in March 2002. Since then, it has had numerous productions in both the United States and internationally. The story explores a five-year relationship between Jamie Wellerstein, a rising novelist, and Kathy Hyatt, a struggling actress. The show uses a form of storytelling in which Kathy's story is told in reverse chronological order, beginning the show at the end of the marriage, and Jamie's is told in In chronological order, starting just after the couple first met, the characters do not directly interact except for a wedding song in the middle as their timelines intersect. It was inspired by Jason Robert Brown's failed marriage to Teresa O'Neill. O'Neill sued Brown on the grounds that the story of the musical (laughs) violated the non-disparagement and non-disclosure agreements within their divorce decree (laughs) by representing her relationship with Brown too closely. Brown, in turn, uh, sued O'Neill for interfering with his creative work and his creative process. As part of the legal sett- settlement for both suits, Brown removed all references to the character being Irish Catholic and changed the song, I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You, to "Shiksa Goddess, in order to reduce the similarity between the character Kathy and O'Neill. And Andrew, the version that he watched is actually the one with I Could lo- I could be in love with someone like you. So he got the pre-lawsuit version. <laughs> I mean, I did also watch the movie too,
1: which has the the non pre-lawsuit version. So, I got both. I got the best of both worlds here.
2: Yes, he did. Um yeah. And if you're listening Jason Robert Brown and you haven't just clicked the knob off because we talked about your divorce.
1: Hi there. <laughs> I love the counter-suit tactic. It's very clever. <laughs>
0: i'm suing me
2: i'm just gonna sue you (laughs) so what did you think of the last five years andrew well
1: i didn't know anything about it going into it i mean nothing at all let me just uh explain that i literally didn't know anything about this and i started watching the show and i was about probably in the last 10 minutes and i messaged jess about it and he tells me that half of the story's in reverse and I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I thought there was like two different couples at the same time. Cause you never see the, the two guys together except for in one scene. So I was like, Well, okay, um, maybe I just forgot what the guy looked like, I guess. I don't know. And then <laughs> And then, okay. So my first watch of this was horribly confusing and miserable after I discovered that I had interpreted the entire show incorrectly. Because believe it or not, I do actually pay attention during these and I'm not intentionally trying to be confused. But
2: is my justification that if you were in the theater, actually going to a theater and watching this, you were handed a playbill that would have had both the song list and a description of the premise and the conceit of the show. I think like in the actual watching this and not watching the video version that you got, you would have probably been a lot more keen to understand it. Yes, what you're saying is essentially
1: that if someone came up and told me what it was, I would have understood what it was. So, yes, I agree. If I was told what it was, I would have understood what it was. But, you know, a lot of times I'm under the impression that I should be able to watch something and understand what it is just by watching it and not have to have someone else explain to me what it is. If that makes sense.
2: (laughs) I mean... I feel like you should be able to do a little bit of, like, not you specifically. The point of the show is literally to throw you in and see your reaction. I'm not... Yeah, great. <laughs> but I feel like an average audience member should at least get a general premise of what they're watching before they watch especially in theater, because it is so, like, um, non-traditional in its form and non-structure, like, as in, like, non feasible, not directness, indirectness. Okay.
1: Well, Jess, maybe you should have explained to me before I watched the show, the part of the show that I desperately need to understand to get any part of this. If you had told me you were about, Hey, I'm about to watch it. I'm like, all right, here's the thing. You knew I was going to watch it at some point. So you
2: (laughs) probably could have explained that a hundred percent of the time. Every time you do this, you're like, Hey, I'm about to watch this thing.
1: Yeah, well, this time I jumped into it, and I guess I picked the wrong one to do that on. A hundred percent. It was extremely confusing, and I kind of wish I watched the movie first, because the movie made it more clear. <laughs> so if I had watched the movie first, I probably would have understood what was happening, at least a little bit. Now, more. why do you
2: think it made you so confused? I mean, the character's names, like she says her name's Kathy, he refers to a Kathy. Why would you assume they were two different people? Um. Well, a lot of times when I watch these I
1: get confused and then people criticize me for not understanding it. So Who's people? I was kind of, Our audience and you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm gonna try my best to understand everything. There's no real indication that it's going backwards on one end.
2: It starts with a breakup. Where else would it go?
1: She could I thought she got with someone else. That's I mean that's what I thought. I thought she broke up with someone and then went to Ohio and met someone else. And I I don't know. It was
2: confusing. But I was like, I'm not going to complain about how it's confusing. I'm going to try to make sense. Where she's like, he left me. And then the second scene is, you're such an asshole for never coming to my play.
1: Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) It was confusing. The the issue, I think, that it was is that. While her story is backwards, his is forwards, so like half the show is forwards. So it kind of like misleads you into thinking the whole show is forwards because it's not like Merrily where the entire thing is backwards. And after like two scenes, you kind of catch on and you're like, oh, shit, it's backwards, because that's what happened when I watch that show. When I watch this show, it's like backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards. And it's like I would never catch on to that.
2: (laughs) Speaking of Merrily, did you catch the reference to Merrily in the show? Is it that half the show is backwards? I mean, aside from Because I caught that. that. I didn't catch <laughs> that, actually. You told me that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the name of Jamie's book is the same name as Frank's movie. Um, I think it's like Light in the Darkness or something. Uh, Lightness out of the dark. Yeah. And that's the name of Frank's movie. And Merrily Rollag. He really showed Sondheim with this show.
1: <laughs> Merrily yeah. should have been only half in reverse that would have made sense i'm gonna write a show and only a quarter of it's gonna be in reverse and then the other quarter it's not gonna move at all the timeline's gonna stay still it's gonna be crazy
2: all right do you want to go song by song and just talk about each scene sure that would be because each song is basically its own little short play and that's kind of how it's designed i don't see that but maybe Let's dive into it.
0: <laughs> Jamie's sure something wonderful died. Jamie decides it's his right to decide. Jamie's got secrets he doesn't confide. And I'm still her.
2: So the first scene and song is still hurting where Kathy finds the letter that Jamie wrote her saying, hey, I'm breaking up with you. I'm going to I, I left you for my um, what is it? My secretary, not a secretary His something with his book. I forget what it was. Publisher, publisher. Her name is Elise.
1: Yeah, it's spelled Alice, though. It's stupid.
2: Yeah. So she he left her for another woman and just left a letter for her to find whenever she got home. And she's like very nice of him. And you're just blame. She's angry because it's like you're blaming everything on me. But you were a part of this relationship, too. You dick. And so during this scene, what are you just thinking? Like both when you knew what was going on and when you didn't. Either
1: way. I mean, it's the first scene. So obviously she got dumped and it's like, oh, that kind of (laughs) sucks. How else are you supposed to feel about that You don't really know who the guy is or anything So it's kind of just like Okay, so either he's just a dick Or like, I don't know uh, He's obviously somewhat a dick Because he broke up with her with a letter so. um,
2: What do you think of the song itself though? I don't know, I, I can't remember
1: A huge amount of the music in this To be honest with you uh, I did watch it twice So don't say I didn't do my, my Due diligence But It doesn't it didn't stick with me that much. I like a lot of the bass parts (laughs) in a lot of the music in this. I I
2: like the I like the song a lot. It does like I've heard a lot of auditions by females that want to like because it is a very easy like audition song to pull out. But I still think it's a very well done piece. It's fine. I'm not sure about it as an
1: opening number. Probably could have had a little more pizzazz.
2: Well, that's kinda of why I like it. It is such a low low mood opening number. I find it strange. And I like that I find it strange. I find it strange in a good way. It's welcoming, like a hug. You get to see like, oh, we're starting with a breakup. It's kinda of like a Vita. Oh, we're starting with a funeral. That 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 makes you sit up and be like, Where do we go next then?
1: You start with the end. Oh, my goodness.
2: And then we go into the next song, which is two songs. So yeah, we're going to split this up into leaf two. Clover. You can make my dreams come true. I will be your
1: Hebrew slave. Just do the things that Irish girls do. Talk about potato famine. I begin to cry on cue. Sing about the
2: Emerald Island. Get your Irish eyes to smile and... I could be in love with someone like you. Um, I could be in love with someone like you. Yep,
1: is a uh, a racist ballad uh, <laughs> fetishizing Irish people. So you know that's cool. Talks about potato famines, like very nice, <laughs> cool stuff.
2: Are you Irish, Andrew? I am not Irish. Fuck you! I have the most Irish last name and the Irishest beard, and I love this song. <laughs> All my friends are Irish, and my girlfriend is Irish. Was she offended? Like, if you showed her the song, she'd be like, I, I don't like this.
1: Probably not, but I mean, most people aren't offended by that type of stuff. It's my job to be, as a white person, to be offended for everyone. <laughs> no, it's it's fun, I guess. I, it was, honestly, it was a little, I, I thought it was a little off-putting. It's like, I'm imagining this song sung about an African-American, and like, they're saying all the same kind of stuff, and it's like, there's no way this wouldn't get called really racist, but whatever.
2: <laughs> but what do you think about the controversy involving him and his ex-wife with this song?
1: <laughs> I like that this is how he gets out of it. Just change her nationality. <laughs> okay. And not even actually change it, just don't reference And he changed
2: it. her last name from Ryan to Hyatt, so it's less Irish.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's still kind of Irish, I think.
2: It's uh, less overtly ro- Irish, if that this, makes sense.
1: There's no O in, in it, so it's not really that Irish.
2: Or a Mick. I, I like this version of the song better than Schicks the Goddess, which it eventually becomes, because it does tie much easier into what he says, and um, nobody needs to know when he repeats, I could be in love with someone like you. That is a bit more of a gut punch when it's an actual title of a song, as opposed to the last name of a different song are the last few words of a different song
1: well obviously that other song was written in reference to this song so yeah obviously yes it's going to be more impactful
0: shaved head that
1: would be cool if you came from spain or japan or the back of the van just as
0: long as you're not from hebrew school i'd sing now i'm getting somewhere i'm finally breaking through. i'd say hey hey six are goddess I've been waiting for you wanna
1: talk about Shiksa Goddess? It's just kind of like he goes through a bunch of women that he slept with.
2: It's the Jewish version of the racist Irish thing.
1: Yeah, except for he's saying that Jewish people are unattractive, right? I honestly had less of an impact from this one than the first one. At least the first one I kind of like remembered that hey he's into he's into redheads.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna get like really into like Jamie's character, and Jamie is such a shithead. He's such a shithead, in my opinion. And I know you have a different opinion, so we'll get into that later. But no, I think he's a shithead, too. I just think that they're both shitheads. Okay, but here specifically, (laughs) at least if I could be in love with someone like you, he's talking about the things about her that he likes and and the things about her that she is. And here it's like, I like you because you're not these things that I didn't like. Yeah,
1: (laughs) the only time I've heard the song is in the movie in which they're halfway into a sex scene. And he's about to have, like have sex with her, and he jumps out of the bed to go through a list talk, of about his his <laughs> talk about his
2: mother. Talk about his mother.
1: It's like, okay, um, don't do that. <laughs> if you've got Anna Kendrick in your bed, don't be doing that. We all know Jess would have been doing that, but he would have been crying while he was doing it too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You got too real there, man. (laughs) I told you that in confidence. It's fine, man. Now everyone
1: knows. (laughs) I told them in confidence as well.
2: (laughs) And they're going to keep it to themselves, right, everybody? Everybody keep this to yourself. You
0: can't spend a single day. That's not about you. And you and nothing but you marvelous, novelist you Oh, isn't he wonderful. Just twenty eight, the savior of riding you and you and nothing but you miles and piles.
2: All right. You. you want to talk about the next song? See, I'm smiling. I don't have much to say on this one. If you do, I, I might. I'm going to pull out some things from my ass and make Andrew talk. <laughs> Ask yeah, him a sure, bunch of questions. It. What do you got? All right. So this song takes place. Kathy is at a summer stock program in Ohio doing shitty community theater. Um, And she's been waiting for weeks and weeks for Jamie to come and see one of her shows. And it's her birthday. And he's kind of there just because he owes it and feels guilty about something. We don't know what he's feeling guilty about. And she, I, it feels really real. The idea of like, When you're at the end of a relationship and like you're trying to hang on to the little things like, hey, we can still smile and I still make you laugh. We're going to be all right. Like this can I am enjoying myself in this moment. But then just as quick as that feeling comes, you're screaming the next minute like that is very well done and very naturally done. Just like how the hairpin response of the anger. And I think that's accurate and heartbreaking as well.
1: I mean, I think this song is just like they probably should have already broken up at this point. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess she just wanted to ruin her birthday as well.
0: It's <laughs> Fuck,
2: so sad. Dude. I mean, imagine this. It's your birthday and he came all the way down here for you. And then he's like, you know what? I don't really want to be here anymore. So I'm actually leaving now. It's like, come, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's
1: just where you break up with him, right? I mean, that's. That's straight That's up. your
2: husband. It's, it's not just a boyfriend, it's your husband. It's the person you wanted to have kids with, and the person you have dedicated. You own an apartment with them. Is this is
1: why you probably shouldn't get married in the first two years. I
2: mean, yeah,
1: but... Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. I'm checking if I'm wrong. Not wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree
1: with you that you
2: should not be married in the first two years.
1: Yeah, because how do you know you didn't accidentally marry... Uh, Jason Robert Brown. I mean, J- uh, Jamie <laughs> Wallerstein.
2: <laughs> you never want to marry a Jason Robert Brown. Man, we are getting sued. <laughs> and we're basically talking about his self-insert fan fiction.
1: It's not a fan fiction. This is
2: an autobiography. Literally in this song, Kathy calls
1: him the savior of writing. Ironically, though. <sighs> I, sure. I, I, would like, I would like to point sure. out though that... Basically, his main flaw in this is that he's too successful and too great. <laughs> and Kathy <laughs> is like, you're too good at everything. Why? <laughs> Makes you think. Hmm. I feel like he tries. He, If we're talking about this as like the writer thinking about it as a self insert, he tries to make the main guy an asshole like on purpose. To, like, be like, hey, I, I I was the bad guy here. You know, I'm not just writing about myself. But, like, the ways that he makes him an asshole is, is, like, he's irresistible to women. Uh, he's really good at writing. <laughs> 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 so, like, okay. Yeah, I guess the character's Everyone a dick, but... Everyone loves him, but it's a bitch wife! <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we could talk about the next song. Atlantic Monthly's printing my first chapter! I'm 23, and all of a sudden I have a
2: book contract? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what? If this musical had Jimmy Stewart playing Jamie, I would... (laughs) Or even Zachary Levi doing his best Jimmy Stewart. Man, things are just moving too fast. What did you think of moving too fast? I like when the guy's singing on a bike in in the movie. Now is the time I really want to bring up how... Yeah, you hate the structure, but I kind of like that it is a call and response to each other. Like a reverse call and response to each other. My my problem with it, like if you look at each song, nothing has
1: anything to do with each other. Like CM Smiling and Moving Too Fast don't respond to each other in any way. In my in my opinion, maybe you see that there is I don't know.
2: Um it's not really responding to CM Smiling as much as it's responding to I can do better than that. Yeah,
1: but those are at opposite ends of the show. You, you've heard of Star Wars <laughs> ring
2: theory, right?
1: Yeah. What, how is that a good thing to respond to but here?
2: Let's imagine we got a ring. And at this point in the ring, I'm doing a diagram for Andrew that no one can see. Um, you have, He's at the
1: top. He's at 12 o'clock.
2: He's at 12 o'clock right now. Okay. At this point in the ring, you have moving too fast. And then at the equal opposite point of the ring, six, where Happy song is... Uh. Is I can do better than that. And these songs are the ones that are calling and responding to each other. Okay. Like rhymes to a song. Imagine that like in this song, he is saying, I have decided I'm moving in with Kathy at the end of, I can do better than that. She is asking, will you move in with me? Okay. And the same thing with nobody needs to know and see, I'm smiling. Nobody needs to know is I'm cheating on my wife with this girl. And Now I got to go see her in Ohio and see I'm smiling is him in Ohio and her being like, who are you seeing? Um, If you
1: did that with any story, though, and you took half of it and did it in reverse, you'd get the same result. So, like, I don't understand what the benefit of that is.
2: You have the question and then it makes you wait for the answer. I mean, but you can just guess the answer to most of these
1: questions. I mean, (laughs)
2: like, you know, oh, they broke up.
1: Okay, she's upset and he's leaving really early. I wonder if he might be cheating on her. Uh, (laughs) Like, you know, like, okay, yeah, we get the definitive answer at the end of the show, yes. But like halfway through the show, you basically
2: have the whole story. I mean, at this point, like the reason why it works so well when you're pairing them up together is because at that point, we're kind of on Jamie's side because he's this goofy, young, charismatic guy who's like, everything's on the up and up. I love my wife. I love my girlfriend. All that. And she's just this hard to say it, but it is how she is viewed nagging shrew. But then and by the time really we get changes to that by the
1: end, though, just at the end. now they're both assholes. You realize that both of them grew up to be assholes. Oh, you, at the end you realize oh he grew up to be an asshole and she wasn't an asshole at the beginning but she was at the end so i guess they were both assholes at the end of it and that's why they broke up
2: i mean yes but the fact that they're paired together with her happy at the end you get that feeling that same like what could have been feeling the sadness mixed with sorrow the happiness mixed with sorrow the bittersweetness of that and i think that's worth it in the end but moving too fast as a song. (laughs) You're just going to bring that up and then skip past it? Come on. The ending scene is
1: the only part of it that actually works in terms of the structure, I think. Everything else is just wasted and there's no reason to do it. I'm
2: going to disagree and bring it up when I come to that song. But yeah, you we'll, could we'll just talk about the that more later song
1: and have her be like a flashback. And it's like, remember when she was happy and then do the whole story in the normal order. And it would have been the same thing.
2: Yes, but that is traditional storytelling. And I don't give a place. shit. Traditional storytelling is great. <laughs> it's a really good thing. I think in theater you can have more like idealistic or less direct storytelling in a way that is really difficult for a film and in a way that the film doesn't successfully do, in my opinion. I thought the film did it better because I was actually able to follow it. (laughs) Well, that's because because you knew what was happening when you watched the film. God damn, your audience
1: knowing what's happening. Not too good for musical theater. (laughs) Gotta make sure they're fucking confused unless they have the fucking script in their hands. (laughs) (laughs) Moving too fast is fine. It's basically just setting up that Jamie's awesome and succeeds at everything very quickly, and that continues through the entire show.
2: Alright, let's go to the next song. He lands handful after handful
0: of Doritos Circling the apartment Logging miles And then he smiles
1: This is when she's, like, happy that she can make him smile, I think.
2: This song, I actually really like the idea of this song, even though I'm not, like, the biggest fan of the song itself. Okay. If that makes sense. Like, this explains a very complex emotion that a lot of people have in relationships. Like, that jealousy that you feel despite the fact that you don't want to. If your spouse is having this great success, and you're happy for them, and you're glad that they're finding it, and you're justifying it by being like, I'm a part of that success because I am with them. I mean, aren't I a part of that? Like that idea of like, do they still see me as useful to them? Despite the fact that they're having all this grand success, like, am I a helpful or a hindrance? Like, am I assisting in his art or just getting in the way? And that is a very complex idea that a lot of people in relationships have had. And I think this sums it up well. The song itself is kind of... Eh. Yeah. It, it doesn't really stick with you
1: at all. I guess it's... Yeah, it's a cool message, I guess. Like a like a first lady syndrome kind of thing. Um.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing that sticks out to me in this song that bothers me is the line, handfuls after handfuls of Doritos. I do remember that. And I don't remember Jamie
1: ever eating Doritos is another so
2: i mean look at fucking jeremy jordan he like not an ounce of fat on him do you think he's ever eaten a dorito in his life
1: like is he successful in the esports arena or like or is he uh, a writer
2: folks i hope you know that writers look like george r. r
1: martin yeah i mean those are the ones eating doritos i'm sure he's eaten more doritos than he's written pages so <laughs> <laughs> and the clock no 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 you get to be happy. Nah,
0: na 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 nah, nah. I give you unlimited time. Nah, na 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 Just do it and you can be happy. Alright,
1: you wanna talk about the schmuel song? Yeah, I mean, there's not really too much to say. What are you
2: talking about? That's your favorite song. Give us the premise of this Just song. Just because it's
1: the song I can remember the best doesn't make it my favorite. <laughs> Jamie writes a story to make Kathy feel better that she's a miserable failure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's the closest thing to a nice thing that Jamie does for Kathy in the entire... It's
1: it's the, I, I want you to succeed as well because I'm so awesome. And I want you to also be awesome, but like... You know, probably not. I'm going to make up a goofy song about it instead of really helping you. And what's the story about, Andrew? Uh, Well, he just makes up a bunch of words that sound Jewish. Like shmuel and
2: the Taylor shmuel, the Taylor of Klimovich, and his clock comes alive and tells him that he can be happy. And the clock turns time backwards relating into the backwards chronology of Kathy.
1: It tied it in. That's the only tie-in in the entire show to it, but yes, it's tied in. <laughs> Why is Jamie's story not backwards instead of Kathy's? Would that have uh, been worse? I'm not
2: sure. I don't think, like, still hurting is a much better opening than I Could Never Rescue You or Nobody Needs to Know. Like, if we started with an infidelity, like, it's really hard. It would have been a lot. And she's like, giving me, like, creepy face been, like, nods. Sleazy.
1: It would have been It have kind of cool.
2: I think it would have offered more confusion than starting with the breakup, because if we see him waking up next to another girl, there's no way of telling it's if it's a different girl than the girl we see for the rest of the show. That's true. I see that confusion, too. So it was the best the way that they did
1: it. Yeah, but the Schmuel song doesn't really have very much impact because her career actually doesn't really go anywhere. So... This song doesn't do much other than just introduce the backwards clock thing. It
2: is Jamie's save the cat moment. Like, look at the nice thing he did did for his wife. He made up a story. He's
1: a very nice guy. See, on top of being hugely successful and attractive and just great, he's also (laughs) nice. (laughs) (laughs) Not his fault. Kathy couldn't couldn't uh, succeed. Like, it's not his problem. (laughs)
2: It's not his fault that Teresa. I mean, Kathy didn't (laughs) succeed. (laughs)
1: We're getting soothed for this episode. This is slander.
0: Because <laughs> the torture is just exquisite While I'm waiting for you to visit So hurry up, schmuck
2: talk about a summer in ohio
1: is this the one where they're like chatting with each other about how she's in ohio and doesn't want to be in ohio
2: yeah i think this is the
1: funniest song in the entire show i didn't like it in the movie because they're just chatting
2: on their laptops which was oh i hate terrible. it in the movie i hate it in the movie <laughs> But i think in the show it's like so charming because it is like her putting on this one woman show and telling these stories Yeah, that was fun but in, in the movie, they're just chatting on laptops
1: and it's terrible choreography wise. And it reminded me of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 for whatever reason. I'm not sure why, but it did.
2: <laughs> uh, I break up with you. Peter. Break... <laughs> that should have been the end of this
1: show. Holy shit. <laughs> OK, um, I break up with you, Jamie. That, it would have been a better ending. Um, summer in Ohio. She sings about a bunch of musicals and productions she's doing in her community theater thing, right?
2: Yeah, and, and like, just how cheap it is. Yeah. Like, she's got a gay midget named Carl playing Tevia and Porgy, which is, like, it's funny, because, you know, Porgy is a classically African-American character and Tevia. It's not dude, a midget. Like, Tevia would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and it uses the hard M-word. Like, midget is not a good word to be using. What do you mean? That is a slur in the midget community. You just, you just used it. In the small person community, that is a slur. I love that song. That song's really charming. And it also calls up to the next song, since it ends with her saying, uh, looking at her wedding ring, being like I, and saying her last name, which ties directly into the following song the next 10 minutes. I
0: want to be.
2: next 10 minutes yeah i love this song i really love this song and i think this is another point along with goodbye until tomorrow slash i can never rescue where this is really effective where you have that cross point
1: i mean this song would have been also in it if it was just told straightforward as well because it would have been in the same place in the show but
2: i like the intro where he sings the lines like um no that's a san remo that's Jerry Seinfeld. Do you want to see the dinosaurs? And then it ends with her responding to those questions like, is that the San Remo? Can we go see the dinosaurs? And responding to that as they go in separate directions. I think that's a good visual cue to like, even explain to the uninitiated what's going on. And another thing that I think is translated terribly in the movie. Basically just sing the same song twice here, though, kind of. Because
1: that that call and then like he sings it and then she sings it, kind of.
2: No, the song itself is there. I mean, it starts with him saying a verse, then she comes and has her own verse, then they sing together and then they go apart. Like, that's any other song in the world. It is eight minutes long, though. Maybe they were trying to push it to 10 minutes, so it would literally be the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's a long song. (laughs) It is, but it doesn't feel long. I like it. I really like the song.
1: Good for you, Jess. You don't, though. I I think it's fine. I don't know. (sighs) I guess I I got turned off of this whole show once uh, I got super lost in my first viewing of it. I also feel like a lot of the songs sound very similar. My
2: big, like, I don't see that. I get what you're saying, but it doesn't affect me. The thing I really hate about almost all of Jason Robert Brown's, like, post parade music is there will be, like, these giant piano solos, which is, look how good I am at piano. Listen to me. Like, look at how complicated this stuff I wrote is. I'm so cool.
1: Yeah. Piano's a very nice instrument. Like, there's
2: a big piano solo in moving too fast where it's just like there is like a jazzy solo like look how great i am at piano
1: yeah but piano's cool and i'm okay with solos so i'm fine with it moving too fast is kind of a fun song at least i think where it kind of
2: next 10 minutes is a fun song i think this is like a really romantic full of pathos song i feel
1: like a lot of the songs where everything slows down in it just, they, it kind of gets to be samey, like very samey.
2: You don't like character introspection, is what you're telling me?
1: I do, if the music is going to play into it, but the music is just kind of there, and then the lyrics is all of the introspection you get. I don't know. I get similar feelings with uh, when we watch like, some other shows that are more like grounded shows, where they don't really have a... Uh, they don't want to make the music bombastic, ever, so... The characters, all of the, all of the characters in the lyrics and the music is just kind of like, oh, there's a little piano part and there's lyrics over it.
2: <laughs> I learned to slam on the brakes before I even turned the key.
1: Ah, dear Evan Hansen.
2: Party's on the center of
1: attention. I'm the Grand homage, and here she comes. Let's get a cup of coffee. Will you look at my manuscript? And I'm showing her my left hand. I'm gesticulating with my left hand, and now, whoop, there's Kathy. Because she knows, they always know. And there's that really awkward moment where I try to show I wasn't encouraging this, though, of course, I sort of was. And I don't
0: want to look whipped in front of this woman, which is dumb. I shouldn't care what she thinks, since I can't fuck
2: her anyway. What did you think of a miracle would happen slash when you come home for me? Where Jamie basically just talks about all the women he wishes he was banging. Yeah,
1: this is one of the songs where they actually uh, it actually is more memorable. The Music's a little more upbeat. This is where it's like, man. Jamie really does want to bang a lot of different women and they're all into him.
2: (laughs) But he's gesticulating with his left hand.
1: So they see his wedding ring. Very true. But he is gesticulating that he wants to squeeze their tits. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no jamie's a bad person in this show and this song is like where it starts i think
2: it's like he goes full super villain in this yeah song. this song is like you know
1: after this song it's like okay are we surprised that he's cheating on her because he basically said he wants to <laughs> you're garbage you're garbage i like garbage though you know there's a certain it, there's people that are fun.
2: you like billy bigelow there's
1: people that are fun to hate you know and sadly that's not what this show's going for so you really can't have a song like this for your hero
2: <laughs> i mean he's no so, he's a savior of writing andrew
1: he's the savior of writing he's very talented and all the women they do want to sleep with him i mean they make that pretty queer right
2: because of course they would yeah who doesn't love jason robert brown i mean jamie well
1: <laughs> he's gonna he's, he's suing you jess i'm not part of this <laughs>
0: pianists hate me. If I don't get the call back, I can go to Crate and Barrel with Mom to buy a couch. Not that I want to spend a day with Mom, but Jamie needs space to write since I'm obviously such a horrible annoying distraction to him. What's it gonna be like when we have kids? And once again, why am I working so hard? These are the people who cast Linda Blair in a musical. Jesus Christ, I suck! I suck! I suck! When finally you come home to. okay
2: climbing up a hill, the audition sequence. I really like this scene. I think it's funny.
1: Oh yeah, this is like the one where she's upset about uh, not wanting to sing and the pianist is too loud and she wore the wrong shoes and some guys looking at her at his dick. People that watch musicals love shows about musicals.
2: I almost did a stick take (laughs) just to make you laugh. (laughs) I didn't think it was worth it to spit all over my shit. just Probably for a joke. not. No. Am I wrong though? People like this is like when Hollywood makes
1: movies about Hollywood. It's like it's on that level. I
2: mean, in a way, they like jabs at musicals, but they don't like it being about musicals. If that makes sense, they like references and callbacks, kind of in the way that something rotten does, but that isn't really about musicals.
1: Yeah, kind of like this one. Like this one is she. Uh, she makes jabs about musicals in this one. In the song. In fact, they... Uh, With a very esoteric joke about Linda Blair in a musical. Linda Blair, and then in the movie, they change it to Russell Crowe.
2: Another fun fact, in the movie, the pianist is played by the the wonderful, the sexy, the p- perfect Jason Robert Brown. And he did play the The piano. president of the Jason Robert Brown <laughs> club. fan club. <laughs> Jason Robert Brown... <laughs> That is not my joke. I did steal that joke. I think I stole that from Forbidden Broadway. Oh, good. Call call out
1: to those guys. I've never
2: seen them. Um, Christine Bianco is a part of Forbidden Broadway. Ah, there you go. I think you'll
0: be fine. Just hang on and you'll see. But don't make me wait till you do to be happy with you. Will you listen to me? No one can thicken your skin. I will not fail so you can be comfortable, Kathy. I will not lose because you can't win.
2: Let's talk about If I Didn't Believe in You. Oh, fantastic. Let's do it. I really like this song, and it has, it hits me hard because, like, I was once an egotistical asshole before. Before? i was once in a relationship where someone was every success that i had they saw as their own failure and i said some shit very similar to what jamie says so what you're saying is you
1: hate jamie so much because you are jamie
2: yes i i am the president of the jason robert brown fan club.
1: (laughs) well this one starts out where it's like he is trying to be nice but then he just kind of spins everything to be like not nice hey
2: i love you you got this babe but also why don't you believe in me you fucking bitch just because you're not succeeding and i am doesn't mean you have to be a dick to me yeah but i feel like they
1: kind of undo this by having kathy sing a song about how she uh she's a doesn't want to be a failure while he succeeds basically just proving what he was saying correct
2: but the thing is She's not saying that to him. She's saying that to herself. Nowhere in the show do you see her bitching about that
1: to him. True, but they don't actually interact at all except for that one scene. So maybe uh, it's being implied that she is going to say that kind of stuff to him.
2: Well, in this scene, he's saying this directly to Kathy.
1: That's true. Well, she she is sitting there like a prop, though. So, yeah. So, like, she's not really...
2: <laughs> like, the lines that hit me the hardest are like... um. I'm cheering on your side, Kathy. Why can't you support mine? Why do I have to feel like I'm committed some felony doing what I always swore? What I always swore I would do. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I see, I understand that, but also, there's a less assholey way to put that.
1: Is he actually saying this right to her, or is this like him thinking it like it is in her song?
2: I would say that it's him saying it to her because he is referring to her and whereas Kathy is just kind of talking to herself like I will not be the girl who sits in the burbs like all that like that is very much her to herself yeah and this one is very much like Kathy and there is like waiting for the response especially at the end
1: I think that the fact that they both have a song about the same topic though does lessen the impact a little bit though because it's like well he was kind of right she was saying that kind of stuff so
2: I think the problem problem is in the relationship is she was thinking this stuff but never said it out loud then when he said it it hurt even more if that makes sense that's kind of how i'm viewing it. he was saying it though because she was acting on it
1: because like oh i don't want to go to another one of your fancy parties because you're so successful and not uh would
2: you want to go to those things where you're just sitting around doing nothing waiting for him to be done why would you literally do that? it's a party n- you can
1: go fucking have some fun come on <laughs> Have you ever been to a party before, Josh? Fucking what
2: fun is it? <laughs> if parties fucking suck, dude.
1: Eat the little wieners. Only at Eyes Wide Shut parties. <laughs> Those are the best parties. What's
0: great about <laughs> me and you? Think of the bullshit we've both been through. Think of what's past because we can do.
2: All right, do you want to talk about I can do better than that? Actually, uh, this is my favorite song in the show, believe it or not. Why? Like this is like musically and vocally my favorite part. Um especially as sung by Betsy Wolf. Like she really pulls that out and like sings it super, super high. It's a good story song. And you're the entire time. You're like, what's the point? What's the point? And like five lines from the like final note, you figure out what the point is and that she's trying to convince him to move in with her and she's nervous. And you're like talking about all these different stories and trying to get to that point. And you see her, the nerves of a beginning relationship, like the goofy, like franticness of that. And it's really charming. And also is the I want song for Kathy, so to say. Like, I'm going to do better than just getting pregnant at 19 and moving in with a drummer.
1: Yeah. Sadly, she doesn't, though. She, she does end up doing that, basically.
2: Well, I think it's the fact that she wants to do better than that that makes it so hard when she doesn't.
1: I don't know. It didn't have a huge impact with me. Other than the fact that it's, like, just a direct response to the song before it, it seems. But... It's like him covering his ass like, oh, man, I sounded like an asshole there. Uh, let's just prove that she actually was doing all those things. Uh, and then there you go. So
2: who do you think had the better relationship, Carol Ann and the drummer or <laughs> Jamie and Kathy? Uh,
1: the drummer. Drummers are hot. Oh,
0: oh, all right. The panic recedes. Oh.
2: Talk about nobody needs to know. Not really, but I guess this is my second favorite song in the show. The one where he's just cheating on her. The one where he's coming to terms with why he's cheating on her. And this is a specific issue I have with the movie from the original um, stage show.
1: Yeah, you said that it's because uh, in this one, he's in the movie. He sleeps with everybody like too many people. And it's like
2: in the movie, it is showing that he's sleeping with every woman we've seen on screen. That wasn't Kathy. Kathy. Like, up to that point. Yes. Meaning, like, he's been cheating on her the entire marriage. Yeah, which... Where in the stage show, it is completely implying he fell in love with his um, publisher, Elise, and fucked her. And he is now moving in with her and starting a life with her because he wants to be with her. My the only one thinks it's a little odd that he calls her kid. I think it just shows a diminutive term. Like, he no longer... He doesn't see her as an uh, equal because that is how far he's fallen from grace.
1: So you're saying that you don't like the movie version of this song because it makes Jamie look like too much of an asshole.
2: It changes the context of it. In that it makes him more of an asshole. I don't think it makes him more of an asshole. It makes him a different kind of asshole, if that makes sense. Cheating on your spouse for
1: a longer period of time with more women, I would say, is definitely more of an asshole.
2: Falling in love while you're married to another person and opening yourself up to a chance to fall in love is also being an asshole, but in a more emotionally like devastating way. Well, yeah, he's able to learn more from it, I suppose. And I think that makes I, I'm not really it's not really about Jamie that it changes for me. It's more about Kathy. It's more like, oh, my God, he has been in love with this woman this whole time. And literally, he is off having a great life now because he's in love and I have nothing and I hurt so bad as opposed to he just fucked everyone. And now he's just going to fuck around on her. I like the fact that he only fucked around on the person that he was going to leave, Kathy. I think the movie keeps his character more consistent, though. What do you mean? I like the fact that he was able to resist the temptation, resist all that because he loved his wife. And it was just the falling in love with this other person that made it.
1: I guess. But I mean, when he's out there and he's like talking about resisting temptation and then admitting that he was encouraging it, like he's not really resisting anything. I think it's more consistent to just have him sleeping around.
2: Which one do you think
1: Jason Robert Brown actually did? I don't know the guy, so I, I mean, probably the one in the original show, since that's the one he like directly wrote, right? Jason Robert Brown, come on our podcast. I don't. Is he cool? Is he a good guy? <laughs> I think so. All right, let's talk with him. He he responded to me on Twitter with some nice things. Yeah, let's. If you want to come on our our show, we'll let you take a half hour piano solo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look <laughs> chain. <laughs> Do you want to talk about goodbye until tomorrow and I can never rest? Yeah, here? I think this is my favorite
1: like moment in the, the whole thing. Just just like the idea of him talking to the version of his wife that is happy because his, the relationship is just starting while he's leaving her is like somewhat impactful, at least as an idea, as like a concept. It's ironic. Definitely ironic. At least it's something that I actually haven't seen before. You know, it's like. I've never seen that done, I don't think.
2: I think it's the most effective use of the premise, but that doesn't mean the rest of this isn't worthy.
1: I mean, it doesn't mean the rest of it had to not be worthy, but I do think the rest of it's not worthy. <laughs> it could have worked uh. if they did more with it. Maybe if they had like different parallels between when his relationship's starting, like where he was in his life when it started, versus where she was in her life when it ended, and that there was some sort of parallel there... But as it is, you have all these parallels between songs, but they're all in opposite sections of the show. So it just doesn't make any sense. Hey, guys, welcome to the mid-show announcement. Jess is incredibly sick today, so I have to do it. Um, But... I would like to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Audible and Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/musicals with cheese and browse the unmaxed selection of audio programs, download a title for free and start listening. It is that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com/musicals with cheese to get started today. Why Audible? Well, let me tell you, Audible content Includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, uh, it just, just all sorts of stuff from publishers, broadcasters, entertainers. Um, and today, uh, Jess did write out, before he uh, got horrifically sick, um, what he would recommend. And he's going to recommend the, the book Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick and narrated by Anna Kendrick. I'm not sure why he's recommending this, but when he gets better, I'm sure he'll let us know. Um, And just to finish up, uh, to download your free audiobook today, just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese for your free audiobook. Free.
2: Back to the show. Andrew, let's talk about the movie adaptation of this for a little bit. We've mentioned it a bit, but I kind of have some gripes with it. I feel like it was pretty good. I mean... I'm a little biased though
1: because when I watched the movie, I watched it after I realized what the premise was, so it made a lot more sense than the musical did. <laughs> so I might be a little biased toward the film in some ways. Um, it's not amazing though, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the cinematography I think leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> um, it's garbage. Yeah. Uh, The one scene in particular that really stood out to me is when they're just filming laptop screens and they're video chatting with each other. And it's like, what is this shit? (laughs) Um, So, um, but there's other moments as well that I'm sure just the... Uh, film connoisseur will will love to get into. Okay,
2: this has the cheapest lighting I have ever seen on a film that was actually released by a production company. It does look company. like a TV show a lot of times. It looks a little worse than a TV show. It looks e- uneven. Um, I, will, I do appreciate a lot of the live singing done in the show. I think it's especially well done in scenes like Still Hurting and If I didn't believe in you, like the fact that that was done in one shot is really impressive, but it also ruins the entire conceit of the original show by focusing on Kathy. See, like she steals that scene because Anna Kendrick is a far superior actor than Jeremy Jordan, despite the fact that Jeremy Jordan is a much better singer. So we're focused on her and her reacting to what he's saying is so much more compelling than what he's saying. So that kind of drowns out like, what he's actually what we're supposed to take from the scene Um, as well. The next 10 minutes is just so terribly done. Like that is my favorite scene in the show.
1: They just film them like holding hands and walking. And then they do that same thing a second time. I'm pretty sure. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's the same shot. Basically, it's like almost
1: it might be the same shot. I'm not sure. (laughs) I think it is, but it might be in reverse. I'm not even sure they did that. To be honest, maybe if it
2: was in reverse, it makes sense. But the thing is, they're in a shitty looking gazebo and um, goddamn Central Park. Fuck Central Park. I'm really stop filming shit in Central Park. I'm really sick of seeing it. Look, it's in New York. You have to know it's in New York. We had enough proof of that anyways. Well, the show was they they were on a boat. <laughs> That's so much more interesting.
1: It's true. That is true.
2: Get them on a boat.
1: Yeah, if they could do that on stage, I'm sure. In a
2: Fucking gazebo and the town where they both live at least do a gazebo in ohio i mean come on <laughs> yeah exactly where she spends all of her time yeah it's shot like basically on handheld like maybe like a gimbaled handheld um and then they just the cameraman just spins around them at one point and there's no focus on it the lighting is god awful
1: yeah no it's that scene is definitely terrible as well is there anything you think that the film did improve
2: Another thing that the (laughs) film did worse, um, it concretes it in, like, 2014. And I remember specifically, like, the film didn't even come out until, like, I think early 2015. So by the time the film was released, it was already dated. Even worse now in 2019. Yes. Yes. And it's only gonna get worse with age. Why fucking put the dates on it? Put it in some random time that we can guess. And then if you're worried, you're like, well, if they're confused, put the little thing in the corner saying year one, year five.
1: And and it loses the kind of timeless element. And I think things like uh like the scene where they're chatting on the laptops. I mean, maybe I'm just uh around this a lot, but I noticed that the authors who the really successful authors' laptop is like the cheapest looking laptop I've ever seen in my life. It looks like they went to like the Dollar Tree and bought a Dell. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, the failing actress has a uh, MacBook, which I'm sure is like over a thousand dollars. So, you know, that doesn't make sense.
2: (laughs) And also, I just don't think the premise translates well to film. Because when you're on stage and you have this person doing, like, a scene monologue all by themselves without the other character, it's fine that the other character isn't responding because they're not on stage. But when you have that in a film and they are there and they're just not saying anything, it's fucking weird. Yeah, and
1: then there's also – there's stuff where they add in the other character responding. Like, they add in – I think – um the the Klemovich song or whatever the fuck the uh, sh- uh, shmuel shmuel song they just add in the girl just like interrupts constantly with the song
2: <laughs> i don't mind that that scene i don't mind it as much like there's other feels scenes like where goofy, that happens like, as well though back. like see i'm smiling it is done so terribly where he's like but i gotta go and she's like you don't have to go to another party with the same 40 jerks you already know like that feels so fucking awkward i don't
1: know it didn't really add anything at all and it also, I think, the the reverse time thing, they make it more obvious in the film, which I actually like, because obviously I got confused, and maybe that's just me. Maybe everyone else would watch this first time and they'd be like, yeah, I got that immediately, but maybe yeah, that's just me. But in the film, they make it more apparent, which I like, but at the same time, it also means that they're actually, yeah, they're on screen together all the time, which is mildly confusing, though, because it's like, at least in the stage version, you never see them together much so it's not like you know it's not like every other scene is a flashback <laughs>
2: but as far as the movies you've watched for the show how does it rate among them like for like film adaptations of a musical like it's very accurate to the original material it's up there with rent <laughs> is it better than rent <laughs>
1: that's like, that's the question always the question isn't it is it better than rent as an adaptation, definitely, I think, right? The rent, the movie for Rent, I think, was very inaccurate to the show, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I can't. Rent was so long ago. We just got to do a new Rent episode.
2: <sighs> Keep that. Maybe we'll do a commentary on Rent. That might be. A oh, good one. that would be a great. The patrons.
1: One. Patrons only Rent commentary. Just coming up with the genius ideas right now.
2: on the last five years and your cheese rating the music is passable
1: and there's some songs that are actually very good there's some moments that are very good but i think overall it's kind of a boring premise with it's just it's just a basic breakup and all they did was take half the story and put it backwards which doesn't really add anything except for the ending scene in my opinion Jess obviously disagrees with me and thinks that it adds something to the whole show, but I just don't see it. (laughs) Uh, Really, the only time they actually work with it is the middle of the direct middle of the show and the very end of the show. They don't even do anything at the beginning. They could have done something at the beginning with it, too. But
2: still hurting is a great opening. Yeah, but they didn't do anything with Jamie with that. I like the little waltz they do around each other at the beginning to like that melody where they walk around one another and they do it at the end. And he's got this big derpy smile on his face and she's got that like the forlorn sadness on her face.
1: Yeah, but they don't actually do anything lyrically like they do at the end. They could have done something there.
2: Well, that's the buildup. Like, you don't want to ruin them in the first scene.
1: I wouldn't have been as confused. That's what the show's
2: building for. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not every show is made for you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see... I'm sorry this wasn't the SpongeBob musical. I didn't
1: like that one either. Yeah. <laughs> It was okay. Jess, I really need to know. What what do you think that it adds other than the ending in the the very middle? Like, where where does it add anything? Well, it
2: avoids the traps that usual romantic comedies fall in, which is they get together, they're happy, they're sad, they break though. up. Not,
1: there's no comedic elements.
2: There is. summer in Ohio, moving too fast. Like, they have laughs in them.
1: They, yeah, but they're, like, they're drama laughs. They're not, like, goofy romantic comedy laughs. Like fucking jamie doesn't have cum in his hair you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) that you know i'm just saying that it adds a little bit of a mystery element it shakes things up from what you're expecting and if you're confused you have a fucking playbill in your hand
1: i don't though (laughs) i didn't have
2: a playbill in my hand (laughs) and I bet you, like, for a two-person show, it's really effective. Like, there's a lot of two-hander musicals that don't work. And this one does. Like, say what you will about, like, you're confused. It does work and feel like a cohesive whole.
1: If they did more with it, I could get behind it. Maybe if they had, like, more duets between the, like, older version and younger version of each character to, like, show where they're at and if there was more connection. But it's like... It's basically just told that way so you can have that effective ending. I mean, the ends don't justify the means, Jess. What's your cheese rating, asshole? I don't know. Um, There's really not much for cheese that would fit this show. Um, Do you want me to give my cheese rating? Yeah, you always give a good one. Give yours first.
2: All right, I am giving this a rating of Cornish Yarg. It was produced 30 years ago um, by a man named Alan Gray, who named it after his name, but he spelled it backwards. So it's Yarg instead of get Gray. Very cool. Top that dick
1: cheese. I don't have anything to top that. I'm just gonna, like, it's just like a mystery cheese. I don't know. You open it up and you don't know what's in there. That's because I was fucking lost this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just like the dejected look at Andrew's face right now.
1: I feel like people are going to be like, people are going to be like, I can't believe you were lost in this show. But like, I don't know. What are you brain dead? Watch the show. Are you even paying attention? Watch the show all the way through and imagine you didn't know one of the stories was in reverse. Like you just didn't know that that was a thing. Like. I guess it's going to be hard to do since now we've already told everybody that's watching this. But I mean, I don't know. (laughs) There's not very much as terms of references to it. Like within the show itself, it doesn't reference that that's happening other than the one thing in the shmuel song, which is halfway through the show, by the way.
2: (laughs) All right, Andrew, do you know what? Today's show is brought to you by Audible, and Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com musicals with cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com musicals with cheese. Very relaxing. That was pretty good ASMR right there. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Now, please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. Our Twitter is at Cheesy Musicals. We're on Patreon at Musicals with Cheese. Give us a few dollars. We're broke. We're broke. We love you. We're, we're on Instagram at Musicals with Cheese. Our YouTube page is now officially Musicals with Cheese. Look at that rebrand. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our wonderful title card is created by the incredible Jolene Casco. Andrew, do you want to talk about our affiliate program?
1: Absolutely. We have a, an affiliate link that is in the description for all of our podcasts. Um, just if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, click the link. We will just get a cut of whatever you were going to purchase anyways. Um, helps us out, and it doesn't, doesn't cost you anything at all.
2: <laughs> Give us your money.
1: We love you. <laughs> all right, Andrew, do you have anything left to say? I feel like we've missed a huge opportunity by not doing the intro at the end, as well as the outro at the same time. So I'm not really sure how to remedy this.
2: Thank you for listening to Musicals with Cheese. <laughs> I'm Jesse McAnally. And
1: I'm Andrew DeWolf.
2: We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. bum ba da 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 Nobody needs to know.